Hey everybody, I'm Kai Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make the day make sense. It is, thank the Lord, Friday, 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 the 17th of November. Yes, yes, it is. And I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome, everybody, to Friday, where we do our weekly happy hour, Economics on Tap. Uh, Thanks, everybody, who is in the YouTube live stream, the folks joining on the Fan Run Discord. And, yeah, happy Friday to all. (laughs) We will do uh, what we usually do on a Friday. We'll do some news. Uh, We'll take a break. Then we'll play a round of Half Full, Half Empty with, I think, Drew is in today. I think I heard him down the line. Uh, But Mm -hmm. before we get to it, uh, what are you drinking, Ms. Adams? So I am drinking what we talked about this on Monday. You were not here, but Wisconsin has named its official oh, yeah. cocktail the Brandy Old Fashioned. So I made a Brandy Old Fashioned and we did a little poll in the YouTube chat prior to the show for folks who are on early as to whether I should garnish it sweet or savory. And it's weird because it's a sweet drink-ish but they wanted a savory garnish, which is apparently things that people do in Wisconsin. So I have an old-fashioned garnished with olives. Wow. Wow. I couldn't even think of what this a savory garnish was. This old-fashioned has Sprite so... in it. Why? Because that's how they make it. They, they make it with brandy instead of whiskey. Oh, Wisconsin? The great state of Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah. The oh. great state of Wisconsin. And uh, you put Sprite in it. You put orange slices in it and um, the maraschino cherries and bitters and, you know, salty things on top. So mm-hmm. here I go. Interesting. Interesting. I, I was just going to say, I, I am such a cocktail neophyte that I didn't, I couldn't even process like savory garnishes. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I've got things to do and I have to be late tonight and I was up stupidly early this morning. So I'm having a cup of coffee. Um, just a quick uh, perusal of the YouTube chat here. Uh, Patricia Long is having a uh, humble C non-alcoholic fog IPA. All right. So Patricia Long, I need you to hook me up with this humble C non-alcoholic foggy IPA. Pretty good. Um, uh, can you get them in California? And what does the finish taste like? I've talked about athletic mm. hazy IPAs here, non-alcoholic versions. And I, as I've said, the, the finish tastes to me like wet cardboard. So it has the finish on this one. That's my question. Uh, Matthew Finko says in the chat, we do not do olives in an old-fashioned sweet in Wisconsin. So I'm just saying. Wait, so I did it wrong. I'm sorry. I tried. Well, uh, you, you did what the people wanted, right? The people are with you, Kimberly, but the great state of Wisconsin is not. Well, maybe there's a different version of old-fashioned, of the Wisconsin old-fashioned to be done with the savory. I'm sorry. I did not mean to disrespect right. the Wisconsin old-fashioned. I tried. All right, so Patricia Long says, lots of citra nose on this hazy IPA. The palate is pretty close to actual IPA. All right, okay, I'll take that. I will uh, I will take that. Cool. Now, I'm just okay. scrolling back to remind myself what uh, what it was. Anyway, should we, uh, should we get on with things here? Yeah, let me go with a couple of mine first because it's yeah, a little go ahead. on the go heavy ahead. side, sure. and then I want to yeah. switch to yeah. my happier one. Totally fine. Um, so the first one is this piece in Al Jazeera, uh, and the headline is, if Gaza was were in your city, how much of it would be destroyed? And, you know, you can't ignore the scenes of, you know, absolute devastation out of, mm-hmm. of Gaza as a ongoing war continues and you know you're talking about a relatively small area with 2.3 million people packed into it and 
According to this Al Jazeera piece, Israel's dropped more than 25,000 tons of explosives on the Gaza Strip, which is just 141 square miles in size. That's the equivalent of two nuclear bombs landing on an area of a, qu- a quarter the size of London. Um, as of November 10th, half of Gaza's homes, 222,000 residential units have been damaged with more than 40,000 completely destroyed. The reason this piece is interesting is because they then go on to project the layout of Gaza onto different cities around the country, around the world, sorry. So, and and then map over it where the destruction is so that you can see what it would look like in your city. And well, if you live in one of these big cities and if you go down, they have Los Angeles, they have New York, they have um, Miami as well, just for context, because I think it's, when you think about war, it's so often hard to conceptualize the spaces that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes to Gaza, just how small of an area we're talking about when people are supposed to flee from one area to another and, you know, can't. Um, And so there's not much to say, you know, in our lane about this. But I thought this was a really interesting visual and with the idea that context and being able to sort of see things in a different way is useful to people, I wanted to highlight that. Now, what is in our lane is an article that one of our colleagues, I I forget who, posted in our Slack channel earlier this week about what it's like to be working when in in the midst of all of this, if you are Palestinian. Um, Those who were listening when Rima was hosting, um, I guess it was like two weeks ago, know how challenging it has been for her. And and she shared that she's lost some family members in Gaza and and since then has lost even more um, who've been killed in the bombings. Um, And The Guardian has a piece about just how challenging it is for people working to work through this, right? And I have to imagine, you know, a lot of, and I don't have to imagine, I've spoken to some of our Jewish colleagues who are also really struggling, but I thought that this was an important piece and just a reminder to be kind and and gentle with your colleagues, regardless of where they land on this, um, as this this awfulness just continues. Mm -hmm. So those were the two um, darker ones I wanted to share. Yeah, so so why don't you keep going with your with your lighter one because you know mine, yes. mine is just a stupid thing. So okay, lighter one uh, to Portugal, where I saw this story in Canary Media, which is clean energy journalism for a cooler tomorrow, and they said for nearly a week, a country of ten million met customer needs with wind, hydro, and solar a test run for operating the grid without fossil fuels. Portugal just ran the entire country on 100% renewable energy Mm. for six days in a row, which shows that, yes, that's a smaller scale, but it can be done with intention and effort and organization. And Portugal did it. It started its, I'm reading here, it started its decarbonization Mm. journey with some legacy hydropower, but no nuclear capacity or plans to build any. That meant it had to figure out how to cut fossil fuel use just by maximizing new renewables. It committed to building renewables early and often, pledging a 2050 deadline for net zero carbon emissions in 2016, several years before the European Union as a whole found the conviction to take that step. Portugal's last coal plants shut down in 2022, leaving imported fossil gas as the backstop for on-demand power. But they did Mm. it. And so go Portugal. 
Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And I, I, uh, I don't know anything about the politics of Portugal, but uh, one wonders what the political dysfunction level is there that let all this happen, that has let them build the infrastructure and, and all of that stuff you need to get that done. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, what yeah. you got? You know, mine, mine's just a stupid, goofy thing about about uh, Sam Alton being fired from OpenAI. So it's not really. Mm. I mean, it was it was it was a lighter item just because all the other news, honestly, is yeah, it's just terrible, right? There's Elon Musk yeah, and anti-Semitism on Twitter. There's obviously yes. the global anti-Semitic rise. There's I just can't even. So you know, anyway, we'll just we'll just go on. How about that? Should we just go on? Let's just go on. Uh, we're going to take a break, lighten the mood a little bit, uh, half full, half empty when we come back uh, after we pay some bills. Here we go. Okay, uh, now it is time to play our wonderful game, Half Full, Half Empty, which is hosted by the also wonderful, our very own Drew Jostad. Take it away. All right. Coming up into next year's election season, Netflix and Prime Video have said they will not air political ads. HBO and Paramount among those who will. Are you half full or half empty on political ads on streaming? Ooh, Kimberly I... Adams, this one's yours. <laughs> Well, I am going to go uh, half empty on political ads on streaming. However, I do want to shout out uh, this story um, because this story was done by our very own uh, DC intern, Maya Hoff, Maya Marshall Hoff, who's been working on this for most of the time that she's been with Marketplace in DC. And I mean, she has been on these streaming companies for months, mm. trying to get them on the record about whether or not they were going to allow political ads on streaming. And so many of them were cagey and dodgy about it. So good on her for her work on this. Um, but I'm half empty on the actual thing happening. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm the same. You know what I saw this week that kind of stunned me? That, that Meta is going to allow political ads that uh, say that the 2020 election was fraudulent. You can't impugn the character of future elections, but you can say the prior election was fraudulent, which just, it blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Okay, I'm switching to all the way empty. <laughs> <laughs> all the way empty. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, totally lighter note. Chuck Klanknecht wants to know where Jasper is. Uh, downstairs, I would call for him, but he's deaf. But so there's nothing yes. I can do. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair he will enough. come if he chooses. <laughs> All right. All What's right. next? With Bumble's stock price in trouble, they've replaced their CEO. Are you half full or half empty on dating apps losing their spark? Hmm. Also, also you first, Kimberly Adams. Um. Hmm. Really torn on this one. I think they are a necessary evil in the world of dating these days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, uh, my experiences have been mixed, to put it mildly. And uh, I, I am not on Bumble. Uh, haven't been in a while. Uh, DC Bumble is interesting, to put it mildly. Uh, but uh, 
I have heard pretty consistently from most of my single friends, women friends in particular, not so much the men, um, that they're kind of over the dating apps. Uh, and, you know, uh, Kristen Schwab has done a lot of reporting on this. And, you know, people are legit hiring matchmakers and stuff yeah. and dating yeah. coaches and shelling out for it. But it's rough out here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, w whatever Kimberly said, I'm going to go with because I haven't been on the dating market in, in a very, very, very Count long yourself time. lucky. Oh, and I do. I can't imagine what it's like out there now. Truly, I can't. <laughs> Although I suppose every generation says that. Uh, just super quick to correct myself, no, Chuck Klein necked <laughs> the middle. The middle K and Chuck Klein necked is is silent. The middle K. So Chuck, I apologize. Uh, I bet every generation says it's tough out there. I bet they do. I bet they do. Yeah, I guess all you have to True. do is like read Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> right, you know. It exactly. is a trip universally acknowledged. Anyway, Drew, what do you got? This week, Martha Stewart announced she's canceling her Thanksgiving dinner. Are you half full or half empty on just skipping it? Wow. This is so Strong interesting. Kai I got a, well, I got a slack from Bridget like on Tuesday, Wednesday, which out of nowhere said, hey, look, Martha Stewart and I have the same Thanksgiving plans. Thanksgiving plans. And what you have to know about Bridget Bodner is that she is a Martha Stewart devotee, shall we oh, say. Oh, is she? Oh, my lordy beer. Are you kidding me? I yes. did not know. That and the Golden Girls, but I'm, but I'm perhaps sharing too much. Um, anyway, so Bridget, are you canceling your Thanksgiving plans? What? Somebody hit me up in the Slack. Holy cow. I can't even believe this. Anyway, so, hmm. uh, so look, uh, my, all my kids are going to be home. Uh, my mom's going to be here, so we're going to have a full house. So that'll be nice. And if Thanksgiving is what it takes to make that happen, then I say let's have some Thanksgiving plans. But, you know, to each his own, as it were. Uh, you know, I have such mixed thoughts on Thanksgiving. I really appreciate the idea of, like, gathering family together and, and acknowledging what you're grateful for and, and being thankful and friends and loved ones and all that jazz. The origins of it, problematic, like the origins of so many things in this country, deeply problematic. So there's that. Um, but in terms of Martha Stewart canceling her Thanksgiving plans, you know what? I'm going to say half full because I, as somebody who does entertain and I know how overwhelming it can be, I fully respect somebody saying, you know what? Not this year. I'm just going to sit this mm -hmm. one out every so often. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So half full. There we go. All right. What this else next, we got here? next story comes from the New York Times about how it's healthier for the soil and pollinators to just let the leaves decompose. Are you half full or half um, empty on unraked leaves? I, I had not seen this story, but 12-year-old me who was out there raking all these leaves on our mm. property with my dad and my little brother when I was a kid, man. Yes, let's let them stay. Let them stay. I'm half full. This brings back childhood memories of our family home growing mm -hmm. up because I guess the soil in the backyard was like 100% clay. And so for all of my childhood, my parents would just let the leaves stay at the end of the mm -hmm. season. And eventually, when I was like 10, uh, I was able to have a vegetable garden in the backyard. And so oh, that's, that's when I first started gardening when I was like 10. And I was able to do that because the soil had started to recover. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, that's great. Cool. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Fire up the poll. Okay. All Fire right. Up the poll. Folks in the YouTube chat, you will be able to weigh in. And, you know, while you're there, if you want to hit the like button, we wouldn't be mad at it. 
All right. A new survey from Instacart and Harris Poll shows that among the least favorite Thanksgiving sides, candied yams is the worst. Are you half full or half empty really? on candied yams? Wait, wait. I don't know if you have the list n- n- available, but what? I want to hear else? what the what, rest what, of the list is. What were the is. options? Yeah. Oh, I don't know the whole list, but the, the right. top three like least favorite. Well. The top three yeah, least we... favorite were candied yams, green bean casserole, and cranberry sauce. How can you? Okay, how are peas not on that list? How are peas, right. the worst vegetable known to humankind, how are they not on the list? That's all I'm saying. I'm just, you I'm know, looking. for reals. Peas are terrible. Trying to find this thing. So I read a think piece way back in the day about casseroles in particular. And I think it's useful to acknowledge here that casseroles in general seem to be, and I'm sure I will be added and possibly canceled for this, but they seem to be a lot less common at black family gatherings than they are at white family gatherings. Don't know why. It's casseroles are just like seemingly one of these culturally different things um but so except for green bean casserole which seems to be the outlier (laughs) that's pretty funny (laughs) and so because i do remember my sister once bringing a green bean casserole to thanksgiving dinner and everyone was like what's wrong with you what a casserole really and so, uh, you know, their their casseroles do show up occasionally. All right, I, I think I found this poll. Okay. Uh, all right, here are the options: candied yams uh, were twenty seven percent. That's what won. Green bean casserole twenty five percent. Cranberry sauce twenty four percent. Sweet potato casserole twenty one percent. Stuffing twelve percent. Salad twelve percent. Mashed potatoes eight percent. Dinner roll seven percent. Which I guess everybody likes a dinner roll. Um, and that's a, you know, ranking of sort of the most hated. Um, but you know, if you think about it, it's just like a third, not even a third of people hate the candied yams. So, I mean, this is a pretty evenly ish distributed list. It's not like tons of people hate the candied yeah. yams. Yeah. That's um, true. yeah, that's true. So, uh, all right. So the poll, uh, we're going to close that poll. Kimberly, what do you say? Uh, half empty. I, I actually guess, can deal with go. like candy yeah. jams, um, but but they're so sweet. I can usually only have like one or two. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm okay with candy jams. So I'm half empty on them being being the least popular. I I will say though, uh, why bother with dinner rolls at Thanksgiving? There's so much other stuff that's so right. Than you know, it's like there's stuffing. I know. I know, and potatoes. It's not yeah. like you need starches and carbs and all that jazz. Anyway, poll is in. Um, yeah, candied yams, the most hated Thanksgiving side dish. False, say 59%. I, I guess that means half empty. And half mm. full on hating candied yams uh, are 40% of the 189 people who voted. So there you go. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. no, sorry, wait. So, so sorry. Somebody with the username Toxic. They really just hate the marshmallow version of yams. You cannot yeah, those tiny that, little marshmallows. No, do no, not no, don't no, do that. No, no, don't no, do that. No, 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 no. Don't, don't do, that. do that. If you put that on there, yeah. then yeah, absolutely negative. Yeah. I, I won't eat it. Yep. Don't do that. Yep. You don't, don't need do it. it. It's already sweet enough. Why would you do that? Um, okay. 
So thank you for that clarification. That was important. (laughs) That was important. You know, several people are commenting about the dinner rolls here, saying they're being used to sop up the gravy. Fair, but you can also do that with the stuffing. And the dinner rolls are later. You save the dinner rolls to make your sandwiches later with your leftovers. Oh, well, that's fair. But I mean, yeah, I get that. But I mean, okay, fine. But that implies you don't actually eat them at the meal. So why have them at the meal? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hear, I hear you on, I hear you on the, on the sandwiches later. Totally, I do. Yeah. Are you doing Thanksgiving at your house this year? Like, are you having mm-hmm. dinner, dinner? Uh, okay. We are having dinner, dinner, uh, and I think it's like a dozen people. I think. Do I'm you call it dinner or supper? And what time do you eat? Do, well, my mother-in-law is coming, so we're going to fight back against her. What do you mean we're not eating at two thirty in the afternoon? And we're going to have a reasonable hour of you know, like six six thirty at night. Are you kidding me? Come on. It's oh, and so it's dinner, interesting. By the way. It's not like, I don't know the supper thing. Yeah. It's funny, like, to see the distribution of what time people eat dinner. It says, like, so much about family dynamics often, yeah. what time yeah. people have yep. Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> totally. Totally, totally, totally. All right. Well, that is it for today. Thank you so much, everybody who joined us in the YouTube live stream and chatting and on Discord and everything like that. We are going to be back on Monday. And in the meantime, if you have a question or a comment or some audio you want to share or we're still looking for your uh, state-specific cocktails, which you hopefully won't mess up as badly as I did this brandy old-fashioned of Wisconsin – uh, you can send that to us. Uh, our voicemail is 508-UB-SMART. You can also email us, makemesmart at marketplace.org. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Charlton Thorpe. Our interns, Neil Farshabandi. The team behind our Friday game is Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts and apparently lover of Martha Stewart. And Francesca mm-hmm. Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. And you know hey, how I can tell she's not listening today? Because I didn't no get slacks. a slide from her saying, Hi! Yeah, so you know, there you go. Oh, wait, Bridget's there. She's only making a pie and <laughs> laws are hosting. Well, there we go. That settles it. Ah, right. there you go. Bridget was lurking today. Lurking.